right, guys, if you think we're the best breakout in the building, let me hear you say, oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. so what I thought. So, hey, here's the cap. Um, God just wants me to be happy. We're going to talk about that. But I want to know if you guys want me to be happy, and I'm going to judge that based on these two seating options here. I have found two seats on this stage, and it's this one and this one. So I'm going to let you guys choose what I sit in. I, I'm fine with either one. I, this is the only two. So look, by a raise of hands, if I'm going to be sitting in the bar stool, raise your hand. Ooh. If I will be sitting in the throne, raise your hand. Okay, that's pretty clear. All right, guys, let's get started. Kids ministry provided two chairs for me to sit in, and this is the one we're going with. All right. How's it? I don't my feet don't touch. All right, I'm going to have to scoot up. So, guys... Thank you for coming to this breakout. I, like Todd said, interned in student ministry. Um, oh, what happened? All right. Caleb, will you go fix that? Thank you. I interned in student ministry several years ago. Who was a student either in middle school? I don't think in high school, unless you got held back a few years. Who was a student when I was an intern here? Is there anyone? Wow. Man, just a couple of you, the OGs. Well, I interned in student ministry here from about 2015 to 2017. So maybe you guys were still in Westridge, kids. Maybe you had not yet found Westridge. But after that, I uh, moved on to another area of the church, which was our young adult ministry. So I know some of the leaders in the room and um, some of the leaders in the room were actually students when uh, I was an intern here and moved up to young adult ministry with me, so I've been able to be a part of that here at Westridge. But most recently, I took on a role uh, called our men's ministry director. So just like you guys, the students of Westridge Church gather, we have uh, the men of Westridge Church gather. So a lot of your dads or uncles or grandpas probably, if they're here at Westridge, maybe they've um, interacted with me before. I've got a chance to meet them from, um, from something like that. We have men's gatherings, which we just had one uh, yesterday yesterday morning, and we had like a hundred guys in the church uh, having breakfast together, and Spencer Purdy came and encouraged um, our guys with a great word, and a lot that Spencer said, actually, God kind of showed me um, a little bit of what I'm talking about tonight. So here is, here is the cap, and I, it's funny, I'll give you a little background. When Todd asked me to join the Stop the Cap series and talk about the lie that God just wants me to be happy, I had no idea what he meant when he said stop the cap. I, I'm about 10 years removed from high school, and in those 10 years, somehow, some way, this word that means something completely different all of a sudden changed and now means something else without me knowing until just a few months ago. So I was thinking, stop the cap. Like if there's a cap on something, it's like not growing or it's bottled up. And I'm like, oh, is our student ministry? Like it, we're stopping, is it like capped off? Is there not people coming anymore? What's happening? And then it was like, no, 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 it's not that. I'm like, what, what do you mean by cap? Is this a hat situation? Because I think of cap, you know, hat. He's like, no, cap means lie now. Like, who did this? Who got together and decided that this word cap now means lie? So I, um, I finally then found out that it means stop the lies, stop the cap. Cap is something that 
Is, is everyone from? Is this just me? Is everyone familiar with cap meaning lie? I need I need hands raised. Is anyone? That's that's a thing you knew before you started coming here. Okay, I think Todd's the only one that knows what cap means. So you knew what it means. Okay. So here is the lie. Here is the lie. God just wants me to be happy. You're here because you feel that it could be a lie or it could be true that God just wants you to be happy. Well, the opposite of that would be, well, if God doesn't just want me to be happy and I'm over here telling you that that's a lie, then that might mean that God just wants me to be sad. That doesn't sound right. So what actually is the truth that we see in God's word? What do we actually see from scripture when it talks about happiness and that emotion that we feel? What does God want from us out of that? So before we get started, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to dive in and debunk this myth. Does God just want us to be happy? Let's pray. God, thank you for this time to be able to just get together as your body, as um, just the church, uh, and be able to discuss your word. God, there tonight, some people are wondering, do you just want us to be happy? Some people might know that you don't just want us to be happy, but what are we supposed to be? How are we supposed to feel? And God, we're thankful that you're very clear in your word uh, how we should feel um, and how we should act if we are followers of you. So we thank you for that. We just want to take the time to dive into it, find out what you have to say, and then give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28. If you are um, taking notes, you write that down, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28. You can go back to this verse later. It's a really interesting verse in the Bible. We don't, we don't see very often a verse um, with, with quite the trauma that this one has in it uh, for this particular person, not for us. So we are about to read about a person by the name of Paul. He's the Apostle Paul, which... If you've been in church for a while, you understand the Apostle Paul is someone that Jesus, after he died, literally came to in person and made him change his ways about the way he was doing things. Paul, he actually went by the name Saul, and he killed Christians. So early Christians who were starting to follow Jesus saw this guy that we now know as Paul was killing them because he was a Jew and he didn't believe what they were doing. And Jesus straight up came up to him in person and was like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I, I am who I say I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're looking for the Messiah, and that was me. You missed it. So Paul has this radical encounter with Jesus uh, on this road we call Damascus, totally like loses his sight because he was literally looking at, at Jesus um, and was later like radically converted in that moment to be a Christ follower. A lot of you guys in the room have had a point in your life where you've decided you're going to follow Christ. Well, Paul, in that moment, it was like right in front of him. So he decided to follow Christ. So Paul later on goes to, um, and we're about to read 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28. Paul later on, uh, he goes to do tons of stuff for God. I mean, he writes almost the majority of the New Testament through letters. He starts a ton of churches Pastor Brian Blois started Westridge Church. Well, Paul is like starting churches all over uh, the area where he's at in Rome and um, all these surrounding areas and countries. He's, he's starting tons of 
small churches. I mean, just like this, just like we're meeting together. There were Christians meeting together because of what Paul did. So you have a guy that was killing Christians and then all of a sudden radically changes the way he's living and decides to live for Jesus. So if there was anyone that we see in Scripture other than Jesus, and we'll get to Jesus too, if there was anyone other than Jesus that had the best qualifications for God to just want him to be happy, it would be Paul. If there's someone that God was like, you know, this person is absolutely killing it for for my kingdom, I want this guy to be happy, it would be Paul. So let's see what a guy with such importance in our faith experienced. So this is the 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. We see that Paul says five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. I have been in danger from bandits. I have been in danger from my fellow Jews. I've been in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. Besides everything, I face the daily pressure of concern for my churches. How happy do you think Paul sounds in, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28? I don't think anything he said was a recipe for Paul to experience very much happiness. See, if we are going to live in a fallen world, which we do because of sin, we're going to experience a fallen world. The world's going to, to fall on us all the time, and we are just going to experience exactly what that's like, exactly what Paul is facing. So let's think for a minute. We just, you just heard about Paul, but you're like, yeah, but God just wanted Jesus to be happy, right? Like at all times, he wanted Jesus to be super happy. Well, look, let's see in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus literally sweating drops of blood and crying from the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was not a lot of happiness, the human emotion of happiness in those moments, even for Jesus. And especially for Paul, the Bible, you see, does not promise happiness. It doesn't promise happiness. And the reason for that is because happiness is based on our circumstances. Our circumstances in this fallen world are far too unpredictable and often are too difficult and too painful for us sometimes to even feel like we can bear. But luckily, we see that because the Bible doesn't promise happiness, I mean, we don't have to feel like that it's our fault if we're not experiencing happiness in those moments. We have uh, to, we get to look back to Jesus and, and people like Paul who really went through crazy circumstances and, I mean, they didn't claim, claim to be extremely happy through them. So I want to I kind of move on to this. I would say that it shouldn't be happiness that we should be after. If we're following Christ and something happens and we're chasing happiness, the first time we don't experience it, we could turn around and blame God. We could feel like because God isn't providing us happiness in this moment or because everything isn't all all of a sudden better or because my grades aren't getting better or because my relationship with my parents or my work or my job isn't getting better. What I thought that I was following Christ. Well, 
Let's look, look back to what, what Paul had to go through. But the moment he faced, honestly, the moment he faced Jesus, everything in his life kind of spiraled out of control in a worldly sense, and he could have been unhappy for us. So let me say this. It's not happiness, happiness that we're after, but it's joy. It's joy. If we can race the striving for just happiness alone and happiness for the sake of happiness and look for joy. Let's see what the Bible says about joy. The Bible says the fruits of the Spirit, so if we're a Christ follower and we decide to, we decide to follow Jesus, in that moment we decide to follow Jesus, he gives us a helper or the Holy Spirit which comes upon us. And characteristics of people who have the Holy Spirit or fruits of the Spirit, the Bible says, are things like love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's Galatians 5, through 23. Joy is a sense of well-being that transcends our circumstances. It's not based on your circumstances. It transcends them completely. You can know the difference in the two, even in difficulty. If you're experiencing this sense of well-being that comes from the Holy Spirit, not happiness, but joy, you can define the two when you're in these circumstances. So let's read over Paul's circumstances one more time. I would make the case that even in these circumstances, and we'll proof that later, there's a text in the Bible that totally backs this up, but we're going to see if, if we would find very much happiness in this again. So 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28, perfect verse to circle and go back to whenever you're having a rough day. Paul says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, three times I was beaten uh, once stoned three times, I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of the concern for my churches. So where's the happiness there from Paul? I don't see any, but what I see when I look and try to find Paul's joy, I go back to when he's specifically sitting in a prison in Philippians 1, 24 through 25. Paul, while in prison, writes this to the church. He says, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Jesus Christ because what he is doing through me. So, wow, how in the world can a guy sitting in prison be able to face all of those things and not feel like God is totally against him, but feel like his life is a testament of what Jesus can, can do through him. So Reckless, I don't know what each of you are going through. I don't know what you might be going through at home or at school or at your job, but, but I can say this. We can abandon the lie that God just wants us to be happy. 
because happiness is unpredictable, is as unpredictable as our circumstances. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying God does not want us to be happy. That's not what I'm saying. We have emotions that are wired within us, and we are created in God's image. We have human emotions in us that we should all experience from sadness to happiness and from I mean, just so many more things like shame and guilt often come into our lives and can play a role. But I mean, there's, it's not, I'm not, what I'm not saying is God just, or God just wants us to be happy. Focus on the just. It's not the goal. Here's what I can firmly say. God does want us to be joyful. It's not happiness that we should be looking for. It should be looking, we should be looking for joy because joy comes from what? Him. Joy comes directly from him. It's not our happiness, though, that reflects Christ to the world. It's our joy in all circumstances that set us apart. Paul's letters are so powerful to the church because we get to see what a guy who is fully committed to following Christ lived like and looked like, and we get to read in his letters the joy he still experienced. I don't think any of us in here have been shipwrecked, or lost at sea, or gone many days without food, or, or clothes, or had to sleep outside because there was nowhere we could stay, or even been imprisoned. But what I can say is Paul has experienced all of those things, and it wasn't happiness at the end of the day that made him continue to strive for Christ. It was the deep-rooted joy that came from the Spirit. So, I hope after I dive into, after I went through Scripture and I was able to kind of figure out what is it that God wants us to be. It's not people that are just always happy, avoiding hardships, avoiding suffering. It's people that through those circumstances still can find joy. So Reckless, I wanted to keep it short. I want you guys to be able to have plenty of time in your small groups to chat about this and talk about this. I know there's stuff that each of you are going through that would be valuable for you to be able to share with your small group leader and with your small group. So let me pray this over you guys, and then we'll head out of here. God, thank you for just the time and the chance to be able to debunk um, just a myth that maybe the world wants to throw at us. God, the world would tell us that the moment that we're not happy or the moment that we start to feel sorrow or feel sad or feel guilt or shame, that it must be our God. But we know that's not true, God, because you give us through your spirit joy that transcends any of our circumstances. And it is that joy that is what people look at and say, I want whatever they've got. When people who don't know you look upon our lives and see how we walk through suffering and see how we walk through pain. God, thank you for giving us Paul, which was such a great example. God, thank you for giving us Jesus, which was the ultimate example. God, we get to look in Scripture, and we get to see when we're confused about something or when we don't understand something, like how happy do you want us to be, we get to see that it's not happiness, just like Jesus and Paul both modeled so well. It's joy that we should be looking for. So, God, I pray that over our students. I don't know any circumstances in the room, but I pray that in each and every circumstance here, you give through your Spirit our students, the ability to find joy through it all. And I pray the students and their friends around them are able to see that and know that and see you in them, God. So we pray for great small group conversation. God, we thank you again for a great time to gather tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.